1: welcome 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 to another episode of the points in the paint podcast i'm ben Wittenstein,
0: and i of course am zach Badgerhouse, always in the house
1: zach lost to <laughs> talk about conference finals going on coaching changes going on we've got uh scotty pippen doing crazy things on twitter <laughs> talking crazy things on the Dan Patrick show, uh, just some just some nutty stuff happening in the NBA Twitter world. So we'll be talking a lot about that for what NBA Twitter is talking about. But we might as well just get right into it, and get to these conference finals games, because they've been pretty fun for the most part, except for this last Suns Clippers game. And we'll start with that series, because watching that game on Saturday night and watching the Clippers and Suns barely able to make it to 80 points. And then the game slugging on and then shots being missed and passes and turnovers being intercepted. It was – everything was horrible in that Suns-Clippers game. And, yeah, free throws were bad, free too. Throws. it throws. <laughs>
0: it, it was brutal to watch. It was so bad to watch. Very ugly game. Um, Paul George, ooh-wee. Man, oh, man. It's just – it's tough because he needs Kawhi. He definitely needs Kawhi right now. And he's doing everything he possibly can, Paul George. But you got to make your free throws. Pivotal moments, pivotal moment in the game, clutch free throws. You got to knock them down. I believe that was the second time he had missed a key free throw down the stretch in that game three. I think he also missed some key free throws in the very first game as well. And so, you know, coming to this last, this next game, hopefully it's not the Clippers last game. because I said, Phoenix in seven. <laughs> I tried to play it safe. And so hopefully they can come out and win a, win this next game and, and, you know, push a game six. But I do know that the Phoenix Suns do not want to be in a situation of 3-1 and then end up having to go to a game seven because that can be very alarming for the Suns. And so I think they'll come out of uh, the uh, Los Angeles Clippers and, try you know, come out and try to win this game. You try to get some help from Reggie Jackson, try to get some help from uh, Zubac, you know, obviously to try to contain that double-double machine in DeAndre Aiden. So we'll see what happens.
1: Aiden has been really fun. Yes. He's been really, really fun to watch. And he's really found his rhythm offensively. He's found his rhythm for the most part defensively, too, for this team. But, I mean, he's been such a big centerpiece for their playoff run this season that he has finally really shown the country, what he can do. And, you know, people really didn't talk a ton about DeAndre Ayton, even like five, six months ago. And people really saw him in the bubble a bit. But, you know, finally, people are seeing what DeAndre Ayton and what he's capable of come playoff time.
0: Yes, double-double, about 15 points, 11 rebounds in the playoffs with almost two blocks a game. He's, he's, he's just in the right place at the right time, Ben, when you, you know, when you look at it. Even what, I think they won the game three. no. They won game two, I believe, off a alley oop from him. Andre Ayton. You know, so you know, that's just give credit to Monty Williams and, you know, obviously James Jones for drafting him when you had a Luca and a Trey Young out there in the same draft class and just sticking to the team needs at the end of the day and drafting a high profile center who's growing into this league every game and he's stepping up more and more throughout these playoffs. I'm just happy for him, you know, because he was kind of like, okay, who's going to be the guy in this draft class, right? It's going to be Trey or Luka. And here he got DeAndre Aiden just emerging as one of those guys to be a prolific uh, player in this league and then Cameron Payne. Your boy Cameron stepping Payne, up, you know, stepping up every once in a while when he can. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean he was out in that game 3, but he came back 5 points in game 4, but I mean he's been huge all playoff long. He has been huge. And I I mean I can't believe that I'm saying Cameron Payne has been huge in the playoffs and I still can't wrap my head around that, but I am saying it because it has been it has been great to see what he has been able to do for the Phoenix Suns. He just makes them a more fun team. Um, He works well within that offense and there are points that they actually need his shooting capabilities where they need him to just start shooting threes and to start hitting some long shots because there are times where they just can't score. And we saw that in game four where they struggled to score and they played good enough defense to prevent the Clippers from scoring enough. But there are certainly times Zach where the Suns just look like they struggle (laughs) to score.
0: Yes, Mikael Bridges. Uh, he can struggle sometimes, but I do. I do like what Cameron Johnson said after the game, after Game Four, about the leadership between the guys like Jay Crowder, you know Devin Booker, obviously Chris Paul, you know guys who've been, you know with those two, been in a playoff scenario before, and just giving the younger guys. That confidence that they need in these in these playoffs right now, because that still is technically a, a young team, the yeah. Phoenix Suns. You know, besides obviously Jay Crowder and Chris Paul leading the way. This is Devin Booker's first playoff series. You know, he's only what 25 years of age. You know, so he's still young. Obviously, we mentioned Cameron Payne, Mikael Bridges again, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Sarek, He's a he's a younger guy. He's uh, he's in his late 20s, so he's still relatively. young for that team and so when you look at the dynamic of the veteran leadership of a Chris Paul coming back you know doing what he did in that game four Devin Booker bouncing back from a horrible game three and you know coming out game four and really producing I just wish the Clippers had Kawhi Leonard at this point so you can get the full show you know you get the full show if you got Kawhi Leonard out there at the helm too and that's uh, you know that's tough for the Clippers but it's been a the theme of the playoffs
1: it has you got to stay healthy the teams that stay healthy are the ones that are going to succeed and you know we're seeing that with the Suns. uh we see that with the bucks now especially with trey young uh, having a having bruises and and having struggling with his ankle and everything like that i mean he the teams that stay healthy throughout the playoffs really no matter the skill level for the most part generally are the ones that will succeed simply because they outlast the rest of these teams who struggle <laughs> with injuries and You have to hand it to the Suns. Other than the Chris Paul issue, they've really had not too many injury issues. I've campaign missed some time in game three, but he came back and they still have him off the bench. And they're a very complete team. They're a very balanced team. And that's helped them so much come playoff time. And if they get to the finals, they're going to have hopefully a healthy Chris Paul because they're going to need him. They're going to need a fully healthy Chris Paul because even like a 90% Chris Paul, I... Worry about his impact with the team, and I worry what he is able to do, even if he's 90% healthy, because we saw what he did with the Clippers against the Clippers in Game Four. Is he struggled? I mean, the the mid-range shots that he usually drains, he usually we're works his defender going. towards the yeah they weren't going in, works his defender towards the the paint or free throw line or the elbow, and those weren't going in, and even some of his passes were were struggling to connect with with teammates. So. He needs to be fully 100%. And if he's not fully 100%, the team is objectively worse. Now, how much worse, we could debate all night. But he didn't look great in game four. He didn't look fully healthy. And they scored 84 points. And I don't know if you're going to be able to win a playoff series, especially against a team like the Bucks, if you can only score 84, 90, 95 points.
0: Because they can do that in a half or close yeah. to it, right? We so. them do that, they, yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Game three,
0: first half was insane. Oh, yeah. Milwaukee Bucks, Atlanta Hawks. You know, shout out to Chris Middleton, right? I'm so happy. You know, you were sitting there, you watching that game, Ben, as we move to this next one. You know, Atlanta Hawks, Eastern Conference Finals with the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks, they go on the road in Atlanta and take a game after losing the first game. Game one, they bounce back and win two straight. This third game, Chris Middleton was the show, if you ask me, because he came uh, out alive in that fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, he was really fun. He was really fun to watch. And there is nobody in the NBA who is at his level. Like he's not a superstar, and I think he's grazing the ceiling of being a star. But there is no one at his level who is so hot and so cold simultaneously <laughs> between games. Even. I mean, this is a guy that struggled. What was he? Oh, for nine in in game one or two. So
0: from bad from three. So many people, some money. People needed three threes. <laughs> people needed four threes to win a game, you know. And yeah. it was so bad. I heard so many stories about Chris Middleton cost me. Chris, Middleton, that's all I kept saying was Chris Middleton cost me this odd amount of money. <laughs> it's
1: bad. I mean, he he really it is amazing how bad he can look in a game and then do what he did in game three. One eighty comes out, <laughs> hits four threes in a row, goes for outscores the Hawks in the fourth quarter by himself. Nice. Like, I, I don't know where that comes from. Why can't you do that night in and night out? I don't know if it's because he's being passive to allow Giannis to do his thing, or if he's just generally an incredibly inconsistent player, because there is nobody that has the highs and lows that Chris Middleton does in the entire NBA. The guy has the highest of highs, 38 points, <laughs> dominates the fourth quarter, wins the game for the Bucks, but then he has the lowest of lows where it looks like he cannot hit the widest open of shots.
0: Can't make a rock in the ocean. <laughs> no, it's so weird. It is weird. And I like how you say that too. It's either gonna be super cold or he's gonna be really hot. Yeah. And he's never gonna get anything in between. And you saw that literally within the last two games of that series. He was very cold, could not buy a bucket by any means. Then comes out fourth quarter with 18 points, going into the fourth and drops 20 points. He had three straight threes down the stretch of the game to really put it away. I was so happy being, because I really thought the Hawks were going to come out and win that game going into the fourth quarter. I believe because I, the bucks were winning, but I believe they were only winning by like two points going into that final quarter. And so to see them win that game on the road with Trey young playing outstanding, playing great. Yeah. The dude had like what, over 40 points. Like he was tremendous.
1: Like it's, It's tough because I want both of these teams to make the finals. It would be great to see the Hawks or the Bucks in the finals. So I'm, I'm going to be excited for whichever team makes the finals between these two. But the Bucks are two games away. They are two more wins away from playing in the NBA finals. And we're going to finally, hopefully be able to see Giannis play in his first NBA finals, which is going to be extremely exciting. And I will say, Zach, for as much crap as I have given Giannis throughout the season, for the things that he've done for being too aggressive for being a bad three point shooter. He has certainly improved and really honed in on what makes him good in this series. And he has taken fewer threes. He is being less aggressive in the paint where instead of just bowling over somebody and getting an offensive (laughs) foul called, he's putting on a spin move or he's putting on a little bit more finesse in the paint so he can get by his defender and get a good shot instead of just trucking everyone in the lane which is big. I mean, that's a big improvement for the guy because he's already dominant Mm -hmm. down low and he has figured out ways to become more dominant. And I think that's a big reason they're only two wins away from making the finals.
0: He's slithering his way right around defenders. There was a moment in a game where he could have had an and one where, you know, Clint Capella comes over late, tries to take the charge, fails miserably, (laughs) falls down and, and Giannis gets the layup. Now, if he goes in and just flat out, burrows like you mentioned into clint capella then it's probably is a charge and that's what they're looking to do right throughout this series is just if you can't stop him from going to the rim you know throw a body in front of him and hopefully it's a charge call right and i wasn't a fan of it in the last series when they were playing the brooklyn nets and you know the Atlanta hawks aren't doing it as much but they were starting to do it a little bit more than they were in the first two games in that game three
1: yeah. And they, they need some stuff to figure out. I mean, they have to figure out how to score more consistently. They go through stretches where they just can't score and they can't figure out how to, how to put the basket in the net. And you will see that a bit from the bucks, but much less so recently. Um, and I hate to say it and I hate saying this, but right. Budenholzer has actually made adjustments. Some adjustments. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. He's made adjustments. He's done it. He figured out how to make adjustments on a game by game basis in the same series that's huge. That's listen, that is a basically a championship win for the Bucs in my mind, is that Budenholzer has figured out he can make adjustments from one game to the next. Like that's that's mind blown for him. He's he's living in La La Land.
0: It, what's crazy about it is I'm sitting there because I'm never gonna I'm gonna always remember like this playoff specifically. Kevin Durant, if he wore a size 11, <laughs> 11 and a <laughs> yeah. half, 12, man, these yeah. playoffs would be a lot different right now. <laughs> like oh, yeah. in his, the NBA season, like Boone probably wouldn't even be there like nope. today. We'd Maybe probably be talking about them, the Milwaukee Bucks getting another coach if it wasn't for the size shoe of Kevin Durant. And so for you to say that with Mike Boonhauser making adjustments, who knows if that man would even be making adjustments right now had it not been for Kevin Durant. So, yeah. you know, kudos to Mike B, but uh you know, we're going to see what happens in these next these next few games here with the Atlanta Hawks.
1: Yeah, well we'll have to see how that series goes because if if Trey Young is not 100% and he talked about how his injury Yeah, I mean, his injury is, um, he said, prevented him from using his speed, right? It prevented him from blowing past defenders, which he is used to and what he's good at. And so he's not able to do that. The Hawks are in trouble because if he continues with this foot injury, um, I think what they're calling a bone bruise in his foot, um, it's... They're in trouble because he is the main – obviously the main source of offense for that team. He's the main source of offense not only when he scores but in facilitating as well and getting those double-digit assists. I just don't – I don't see the Hawks doing anything if they don't have 100% Trey Young. If they have 100% Trey Young, they're only down 2-1. There is very much time left in this series for the Hawks to make a comeback and like, you know, force a game seven.
0: But see, that speed – They need that because they need that penetration, that ability to get to the rim in that floater game, because like he's mastered that in these playoffs, the ability to get the floater out of his hands and above the offender with so much ease and or kick out three or alley-oop to Clint Capella or John Collins. So it's either one of those options based off one ability to get to the rim and float the basket. You know, to be able to float the ball over the bat, over the defender the way that he does. And so if you don't have that ability to attack and get in that middle, middle range area and then have to maybe able to decipher and make those decisions, yeah, it'll be tough because what Lou Williams, you're expecting Lou Williams to try to do that at 35, 36 years of age. That'll be tough for him. And in this situation now, you miss a guy like Rondo, right? Yeah. You miss a guy who could be able to control the tempo and control a game despite not having to score so many points. So, you know, like I said, these injuries, man, I I hate it, Ben. Honestly, like, you know, I hate all these injuries. You know, even White Dante for the Bucks, right? You know, they could use him too. You know, just to just to have everybody at full strength this season would have been would have been great. You know, would have been better. I don't want to see Trey Young out there limping on one on one ankle, right? So, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. And if if it ends up being the Bucks in the finals, and it ends up being Bucks Suns, I'm excited. I I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I think we're going to see a lot of fun matchups. I think we see uh, a lot of fun games. And I mean, I could definitely see that series going seven games for sure, but we need a hundred percent Chris Paul. We're going to need a hundred percent Trey young if we want this series to be fun, but I think it still yes. could be. And I, and I think the Hawks can still do it because they play their best when people think they're underdogs and they play their best when people have counted them out. We've seen that okay. yeah. in the entire playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely would not count out the Atlanta Hawks at this point. Um, But we'll have to, of course, hear from Trey Young. Now, stat of the week, Zach? We have a stat of the week.
0: seven, eight, nine, ten. What is this week's um, stat of the week? Chris Middleton. Man, you go out there and catch fire like that, you know I got to give you some love, man. I got to give Chris Middleton some love. the, The stat of the week is 20, but there's a reasoning for that, right? So Chris Middleton goes out there, drops 20 points in the fourth quarter to score 38 total points against the Atlanta Hawks as they take game three and go up in that series two to one. Chris Middleton now has three games, Ben. Three games with 35 and 10 in the postseason. That's only three games away from the legend himself, Kareem Mr. Hookshot Abdul Jabbar. Three games away. He can do that this year. That's wild. That it is, is, that is wild. And, and for as Chris much Chris Middleton, not Giannis. Not, like Giannis, not Giannis,
1: not Giannis,
0: Chris Middleton.
1: <laughs> you know what? Let's 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 call a bit of an audible here because let's do our let's do our what well, we haven't done in a while, and that's
0: overreaction.
1: Let's do overreaction. Yeah. Overreaction.
0: No, nah, see this would – this is some buzz right here, buddy. Yeah. Go ahead, buddy.
1: So we, we, we're we talking about Chris Middleton doing something that Kareem did, right? And, and, and we know Chris Middleton has the possibility of being a very good player, and we know he's a very good second fiddle to Giannis. But apparently, Kendrick Perkins does not think so. Kendrick Perkins goes on television. There were cameras pointed at him, Zach. He knew that people could see what he was saying, and he still said, that Chris Middleton is the Batman to Giannis's Robin. He called Chris Middleton the Batman in that situation. He basically called Giannis the second fiddle. He called him a Robin. What the hell is Kendrick Perkins thinking? How is this even a thing that he said out loud to viewers? That's insane.
0: <laughs> What's well, funny that you say that, right? I will, I actually want Kendrick Perkins on the podcast. Like if I if we if I can find a way to get contact with Kendrick Perkins, I want him on the podcast for these specific reasons. Yeah. he has the hottest takes, the hottest of That's the a hottest hot take. Takes. Because he, he goes above and beyond. I'm talking about 500 degree water on the stove. Like he <laughs> is tripping with this take right here though, because I, like we just said, either Chris Middleton is gonna be super cold or super hot.
1: You can't be at least with Giannis, number
0: one guy. If you're that inconsistent, you can. That you can't be at least with Giannis, you know what you're gonna get, right? Gonna at least get at minimum 24, 25 points, Mm -hmm. at minimum 10, 11 rebounds. Like that's the stat line at minimum, and you're gonna get that just strictly off effort. He's gonna work hard. He's gonna rebound. If he's if his shot's not falling, he's gonna get a little dirtier. He's gonna grind a little bit more in the paint. He's gonna do all the little things. He's gonna crash the boards on offense more instead of being out on the perimeter. He's gonna do the little things to try to get get himself more involved if his shots not really falling. Chris Middleton, if he's off, he's just off. <laughs> like, it, just he looks bad.
1: Yeah, he's not that good. <laughs> and and uh, to, to to say that he is number two on the buck or number one on the box, Chris Middleton. If you said he looks like number one at specific times, right. then yes. Game game three. He was the number one guy. Giannis was yeah. deflecting yeah. to him. He was the one scoring. It was that's fine. But he is yeah. not the number one on that team. He is not a two-time not MVP. A defensive eight. player of the year. <laughs> future probably Hall of Famer. That's not that's not Chris. One of the one of Chris Middleton and Giannis is going to this to the Hall of Fame. And it's not Chris Middleton. <laughs> That's for damn sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's most definitely. Like, KP was, he was bugging out on that one. He was definitely bugging out. He was bugging out.
1: All right, let's make some people some money.
0: Oh, yeah. Bed corner, baby. Let's try to earn some people some top dollar. All right. conference so- farms.
1: Yeah, we got some conference finals games. We we know some of the lines for these conference finals games, mm-hmm. um, and, and we can you know we can hit on a little bit for tonight's game as as we post this tonight, but we can hit on Phoenix Suns minus six, Clippers plus six, total at two twelve and a half, and we saw obviously that total in the last game uh, reach one sixty six, I believe it was eighty six to
0: eighty. I remember I said take the under.
1: Are we I hitting the? I uh, said that. Are we hitting the under again in this one?
0: Under again, back to back, hit the under. And then also, if you really like the Phoenix Suns and you really want them to win, I would go ahead and even add a little something more to it and go DeAndre Aiden, player double, gets the double-double in the Phoenix Suns, close out this series and advance to the NBA Finals. Look at you. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Love it. <laughs> if you, Love if that. you really feeling lucky, DeAndre Aiden, double double in the win.
1: All right. I think I like that bet. I like DeAndre Aiden for a double-double, and I like the Suns to win. I'll get on I'll get on board with that one.
0: My man. All my right, man. Bucks. Cause you know, you know my bet when it comes to you. You know, you sometimes you you shy away. You know, I'm the parlay man, so you know, you got, you know, you try to play it safer. I, this is a little safer bet for you. Just is a it's, a, it's a little safer.
1: I'm not I can't get on board the three the three thing parlay, four team parlay. <laughs> Player props, team parlays, over unders, all thrown in for a 10, 10, 10 hit parlay. That's for you, man. That is. <laughs> I don't have the guts <laughs> for that one. <laughs> all right, we've got Bucks and Hawks. Uh, Bucks are minus seven, Hawks plus seven. This may change when we find out more about Trey Young, too, uh, but that total is over at 220. I uh, I always hate to take the Bucs spread when it's this high, and I know they, they looked really good against the Hawks in game three, and they were able to cover uh, the spread of four too. and a half, five. But I just I hate betting against the Hawks for a spread because they do play for your money. They do. They, they are never out of a game, and, and they were able to come back. But, again, we don't know what Trey Young's health is going to be, so until we do, I may stay away from the spread. 220 being the total, you know, it seems a little low to me. I kind of like the over. It in that it
0: does is a little low. It's it's a little low, but I feel like because of the way the game went last game, that it, the under will be more of a likely to hit this time around for game four at two twenty. I think so. I think the game will probably be somewhere around, you know, the low hundreds. I feel like it'll get close to two twenty, but it'll be just short. You know how Vegas do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they know they know. Yeah. I, I don't mind that too much. Um, If anything, to be honest, I kind of like Hawks first half. If we're going to oh, go okay. Hawks first half, because I can see. And again, if Trey's not healthy, I'll, I'll reassess this. But if Trey's predicted to go and he's going to be mostly healthy, I kind of like the Hawks to come out fast and fast and hard in game four. They're going to be at home still. I, I can see them coming out and making a run in that first half, kind of like what we saw in game three, where they got out to a pretty early lead. They were able to sustain it for a little bit. And the Bucks just came back. But I kind of do like the Hawks uh, first half. I don't know what you think about that one. But
0: it seems to I me. Mean, seems... You won. If you, if you took that bet seriously for game one with the uh, Hawks being underdogs, you won that one. You know, you won that one. Girl. So, I would, you know, if I were you, you know, the money man himself, I would go the full game, Atlanta plus seven. Do it. If I was you, I would do it.
1: Oh, I kind of like it, that. Do it. It's it's something yeah, I didn't yeah. want to like and didn't come into this thinking I would like it, but I kind of do like it. The more I think about it, but Trey yeah, needs to be healthy.
0: Seven. Yeah, Trey does need to be healthy. You're right about that. you right. Needs to be
1: All right, we'll move on because this is a pretty big segment this week, and it's what NBA Twitter is talking about this week. What it do, baby? Yeah. yeah. And Zach, uh, they're talking about a lot. There is a lot going on uh, on NBA Twitter, so we can start with the uh, coaching changes that have been happening because we've seen. Tons of coaching moves the past week, week and a half. We can start with the Blazers. Chauncey Billups uh, is looking like he's going to be hired as the next coach of the Portland Trail Blazers. Not sure how Dame feels about this. Not sure he's really said too
0: much about this. But I know from People stuff are I was putting reading, words in his mouth. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Yeah. People are, putting it, words. People are just automatically making assumptions like and there's automatically assuming that Billups was his guy. Like he made that decision wasn't his decision to make at all
1: yeah so we'll we'll see how he reacts to this if he says anything big if if what what happens down the road with this Chauncey Billups being a head coach now I'm always a, I'm a big fan of hiring coaches who have been broadcasters in the past which Chauncey was who've been assistants who've been from the sidelines can see stuff so that is good in that respect and then there's people bringing up um, the I think it was sexual assault, rape allegations from 1997, where he settled out of court with the accuser. Um, and people have been bringing up that part of his past. And, and it seems like there there are a lot of Blazers fans. There's a lot of NBA fans who who aren't happy about that part.
0: They weren't happy about that part in regards to Chauncey Billups being hired with the Blazers. They weren't they weren't too fond upon him with the. Uh, Jason Kidd being hired in Dallas, which we'll talk about for similar reasons. My whole thing is, you know, those allegations are definitely to be taken serious without question, but not to get political, but we had a whole president (laughs) with the same type of energy, you know, as it relates to those similar, similar allegations and did the, country go full on beyond and go crazy in regards to that same issue to to apply the same pressure for another man to lose his job or lose you know to lose that candidacy at that time no not enough because he served four years so (laughs) you know it's a it's a coaching position in regards to NBA basketball, it looks as if the Blazers did a good job of checking all the right boxes to, you know, make sure that he was the right fit, both him and Jason Kidd, which we'll get into. So I think the 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 hire is is fine. I think it's fine.
1: Yeah, and and we'll see again what what Dame says, what CJ says. Um, and it, they could be going in the right direction. It could be different from Terry Stotts. He could know how to use that offense differently, maybe teach them how to play some defense
0: for defense. <laughs> once in their lives.
1: That would be great. Um, so we'll see how that hire goes. I'm not ready to really judge it at this point in terms of how I feel that he's going to be. But as you mentioned, Jason Kidd to the Dallas Mavericks. And again, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I don't understand what people see in Jason Kidd. I don't understand <laughs> what they want him to be the head yeah, coach.
0: How do you feel about this one? Because you was, yeah, you was, you was a little, you was on the fence with, with Jay Kidd. And I've been trying <laughs> to convince you that he kind of decent. But what, how you feel about
1: it? I, I mean, You you did a pretty good job. I, I could come a little bit back to the center and say maybe he's learned from being an assistant and maybe he's learned a little bit more just from watching more games and, and being on the sidelines as a non-head coach person. Maybe he's learned more about the game. So maybe he's become a better player or a better coach, I should say, for these guys. But I'll believe it when I see it. And I, I didn't think he did that great of a job in Milwaukee. I don't think he used Giannis correctly. And I, I don't know if Bud is even using Giannis correctly, but that's a different story and he is coming to a team that has a lot of issues both publicly and privately with Christops and Luca disliking each other with issues in the front office uh, with a team that is not really fully complete. They need a few more pieces to actually seem like they can make a run in the playoffs. So there are a lot of issues both on the court, off the court and in the public eye that this Dallas Mavericks team has to deal with. And then you bring in a coach with a shady pass, as we talked about with Chauncey Billups, with with assault allegations, and you bring in a coach that had, really wasn't that successful in his last head coaching job. So all of that put together really makes me question the direction the Mavericks are heading and I'm not sure if he's going to be able to to handle those really choppy waters with everything coming his way, mm-hmm. but... Maybe he's able to reach Luka in a way Rick Carlisle wasn't, and I don't even know if that's possible with how good of a coach Rick Carlisle is, but I'll believe it when I see it, Jason Kidd being a good coach. But right now, I I don't love the hire. I I don't think any team that was going to hire him as a head coach was really a good move to begin with.
0: Okay. I'd give it to you like this. Well, you know I always say you know he the reason Giannis dribble the ball up the floor you know so I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> and he went to the he went to the postseason two of the uh, two seasons with the Bucks. So I you know I give him a little credit for that too. And then Luka signed off on the Jason Kidd hire. And obviously yeah. Jason Kidd used to play for the Dallas Mavericks. But what I think the key for Jason Kidd getting hired. That not too many people are talking about is the simple fact that Dirk Nowinski became like a special advisor for yeah. the Dallas Mavericks, which I believe put that Jason Kidd rumor mill for him to be the Dallas Mavericks coach into fruition. Because, you know, Jason Kidd, Dirk Nowinski, they were the same championship team, 2011. And so I think that's how the hire kind of came about. Will it work? I think it will because point guards speak point guard language. You know what I mean? Jason Kidd being a former guard, Luka being a point guard in this league. I think it'll help that way. I think he'll get the right pieces around Luka, you know, because they got a new GM too. They got a new yep. GM in the front office, former Nike exec. Don't remember his name at the moment. But, you know, they got a new GM over there too. And so I think the direction for the Mavs will go in a, in a great direction, only depending on how the relationship can rekindle. Between Luca and KP, because that's just crazy.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing, and and we have more coaching hires to talk about. But there was that issue where Luca and Chris Paul apparently, reportedly, don't like each other, and I think there was issues with Chris Paul or uh, Christoph Porzingis going out to clubs. Uh, during COVID and and not really caring about that and Luca not enjoying that and ah. Christop's not playing as well as his payment suggests he should be playing and Luca not true. giving him the ball enough <laughs> and the Mavs not giving him enough opportunity to to be a star so there's issues there and that's gonna be critical that they figure that out because they brought Kristaps in for a lot of money and if he <laughs> if he is not going to be playing the way people expect him to play which he has not been you got to get out of the way. You got to leave because you have Luka Doncic, who still is a possibility to be the once-in-a-lifetime type of player for this team. And if he doesn't like someone on the team like Kristaps and he's not playing his best because of Kristaps, you got to say, thank you, Kristaps. Here's your money, but go away. Peace. <laughs> saying, See
0: you. Is... <laughs> See you later, but, Stop. You know, the former coach of the Dallas Mavericks, Rick Carlisle, He has the job that we wanted Fisdale to have. We really wanted David Fisdale to have that Pacers job. But Rick Carlisle was able to uh, secure that job and return to be the uh, head coach for the Indiana Pacers.
1: Yeah, a good head coaching hire, I think. I I mean, I would love to see Fisdale, but I think the fact that Carlisle unexpectedly unexpectedly became a free agent head coach and, and leaving the Mavs, I don't think a lot of people expected him to do that. Him going back to his roots where he was a coach, I think it was 07, 3 to oh seven it was he was the head coach of the Pacers. He knows how to manage a team. He's, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the NBA right now. And the Pacers team is a team that's ready for the playoffs. The, the roster is structured to be ready for the playoffs. Pretty good. I thought it was a good hire.
0: I'm not sure if it's a good hire, Ben. No. I'm not really sure. Wow. Yeah. Think about it. Since 2011, when the last time the Dallas Mavericks made it out of the first round of a playoff series? They haven't you know so it's like in this new league you know uh, pace and space it, it, can rick carlisle really be successful with this type of team any other the the grit in the grind type of team has he really had a grit when the last time he had a gritty type of team it, over there in dallas i probably say the championship team you know with all those guys jet and you know uh, Deshaun Stevenson, obviously Jason Kidd, Dirk Nowinski and name. those boys, you know, Sean Stevenson. That's the name you pull out. That's impressive. I you know, know. I'm just, hey, I you know, I just remember, you know, those boys on that team, you know, they got it done for Dirk Nowinski shooting those three, Sean Marion, you know, so we'll see what happens. Like I said, they haven't made the, like the Pacers. I mean, under his watch, Rick Carlisle, the Dallas Mavericks did not make it out of the first round since 2011. The Pacers didn't make the postseason this year, and it got swept last year. So the trending direction for the Indiana Pacers is downward, but the roster is moving, trending in an upward direction. So we got to see what happens this next season.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting to see, uh, to, to see where that team goes, see both where the Pacers go and then where the Mavs go, because you know people are going to be comparing the two because those are two teams that are playoff ready. They're ready to compete. And uh, one of them has the old team's head coach. Uh, and finally, the Celtics. I-, I don't even know if we mentioned this when it happened. Ime Oduka got hired as a head coach.
0: Yeah, I was surprised. Surprise hire for me. It was pretty. I was pretty surprised. I knew they were probably going to go and get a black coach out in Boston. I just didn't know who it would be. And for them to go out and get him, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised. I'm yeah, not, not saying it's a bad hire, but it was. It, I was surprised by the hire.
1: Yeah, and I was reading uh, a post by James Posey today where he talked about going through kind of a coach training camp with Udoka saw, and, and saying he was that. ready to go. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, and he's going to have a good roster to work with, and we'll see how good of a, a GM Brad Stevens can be and
0: what type oh, of players he bring in. I, I, I don't even, you just reminded me that he did get fired up. <laughs> he failed upwards,
1: the Brad yeah. Stevens story. Yeah, so we'll see what type of players he's able to get him for for next season. But the Celtics again, that's another team that is theoretically should be competing for a high playoff spot next season. Uh, let's see, Scotty Pippen, Zach, was calling out Kevin Durant today. Uh, he was calling out last week, and today he said some more insane, kind of interesting but yeah. insane
0: things. He's a boss. <laughs> like. Kenny's a boss for his response. Yeah, didn't and, you, like, quit? <laughs> he was like, didn't you, like, quit on the team? <laughs> did you not check yourself in the game because his last shot wasn't for you? He just was going. He was going in. I love Kevin Durant's response.
1: Yeah, and there's usually, <laughs> I'm always like, Kevin, why are you on Twitter all of the time when you're an NBA player? Mm-hmm. But this was a time <laughs> I was really happy that he was on Twitter because it was really funny to see him just absolutely try to roast Scottie Pippen. And, I mean, Pippen came out and he said Durant is not a team player, essentially, that is good enough to to win championships by himself and he doesn't make the team better. Not really sure what he was trying to say, but Kevin Durant took offense, obviously, and he calls out Scottie for, for sitting out that last second shot opportunity with Coach in uh, in 94. <laughs> and it all spiraled from there. And then he goes out uh, today on the Dan Patrick show and talks about how Phil Jackson didn't give him that last shot opportunity uh, because of racially motivated decision-making and called Phil Jackson a racist and said Tony Kucoch shouldn't have deserved to take in that shot. And he started referring to himself in third person at the start of the interview. It was weird. It was a very weird interview, and I I go. People should go out and just watch that five minute clip that's going around. But it was weird, Zach. It's concerning to see him talk like that.
0: Listen, I don't know if Scotty trying to promote his new alcohol he got out, his (laughs) new bourbon. So, so, you know what I'm saying? So, any publicity is good publicity. I don't know what he has going on, but let me tell you something right now, Scotty, you out here bugging out. (laughs) He is tripping (laughs) because Kevin Durant. Is like a cheat code. That's arguably the best score we've ever seen touch basketball. Like literally. I know Mike is Mike. If we're just talking about putting a ball in the rim, seven feet with a handle, three shoot anywhere, man, please. I don't care how physical you want to be with anybody with Kevin Durant. He's probably yeah. gonna get a basket regardless. And you play with Mike, so it's like you've seen greatness. So in other words, Scotty bro, just sit this one out. <laughs> you know, just relax on this, on on this one. You know, we we let the young folks take care of this one. You know, hold it down for this one because he out here bugging. Scotty, Scotty Pippen is tripping. He talked yeah. Did he call Phil Jackson a racist, bro? That's you kind of bugging out right there at that point. He's like the Zen master, Phil Jackson. Like he's bringing the books to the practice. Like y'all doing yoga. In- shut up, Scotty. <laughs> like oh, I would, if I was and- Mike, I'd have like called him Like shut up, Scotty.
1: And he said the moment that we saw in the last dance where Michael told Steve Kerr that he was going to pass him the ball for that last shot. He said that was staged by Michael Jordan because he knew the cameras were for Michael Jordan or they were for recording things. So he said, Michael knew the cameras were going to be on him. So he said that purposefully to make himself look like a good teammate. I I don't know where that all came from. That was really out of the blue because he did end up passing to Steve Kerr. It's it's not like he said it to set it, but he ended up passing it to Steve Kerr. Like I, very weird. I didn't I didn't understand that. He,
0: wow, Well, he tr- driven out? <laughs> he called Phil Jackson. He called Phil Jackson, eleven time champion. Well, like thirteen time champion because I believe he won as a player too in seventy two. Whatever the Knicks last time Knicks won, he was on the team. He coached Magic. He, no, he coached Michael Jordan. He coached Kobe Bean Bryant. Coach Shaquille O'Neal. She coach Shaquille O'Neal. He ain't having none of that. <laughs> so like Scottie Pippen is out here bugging out, man. He's bugging out. Katie yeah. put him in his place. <laughs> it was it was wild. Um, very wild. Um, WNBA
1: 99% vaccinated. They announced that today. I thought that was pretty cool. The yeah, that's players getting vaccinated. They're they're all, staying all vaccinated. All no COVID cases. All that. Pretty cool to see. Um, there was a really funny. Someone talked about Chris Paul walking weird, um, and I think it was Dragonfly Jones, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. He he was like, Why is Chris Paul walking <laughs> like that? And the responses, Zach, just unbelievable. Someone said, Man, oh, yeah. man's walks like an assistant principal, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought
0: was really good. Someone said well, he I'm like he got a bunch of keys on his hip. <laughs> he, he he don't need the keys no more. <laughs> that was so I good. I
1: did see that one too. Chris Paul acts like <laughs> Kevin Hart playing the role of Chris Paul in a basketball comedy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they be on my boy bad, cause he does walk like like a penguin, kind of in a sense, like a wild. Yes. And you know He'll who walk- else? Who you know who else has a funny run? Zion. Zion Williamson walks he, like he walks pigeon tippy toed. I don't know what's going on.
1: <laughs> well, the best thing I heard from Zion is he looks like he walks like you just sent him to his room. That is, that's one of the funniest things I've ever read about Zion. Like he the way he walks. Way to... Yeah, he just looks like he's sulking all the way to his room. So good. Oh, oh, Chris man. Paul walks like okay. he starts every convo with let me, t- let me tell you something. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> just Just so uh- good. Let's close it out with an overreaction, buddy, because there's been some buzz with this one. So I just want to know what you think about this last thing before we close it out for this overreaction. No. Damon Lillard will wear a different uniform next season. Oh,
1: I don't think so. I don't think he will. I think that's an overreaction. I, I, I think he stays with the Blazers one more time. New coach?
0: Okay, I don't think he's going to abandon
1: them just yet. I think okay. if they kept Stotts, he would probably be gone. But I think he gives it one more shot, see what Chauncey has to bring to the team, see if they can bring in any more assets, help them out a little bit. They're going to get Zach Collins back. We'll see. I, I think he stays one more year before wanting uh, before asking for it to be traded.
0: I give it to February next year. I give it to okay. the trade deadline. Trade deadline? I give it to the trade deadline, and he's out of there. That's fair. Yeah, you got to make him happy. And – I don't want him to leave. Let me be the first one to say that because I respect Damian Lillard. I respect his mindset on, you know, respect the grind, trust the process, you know, and stay stay where you need to be at, you know, where you've been at this whole time and, you know, try to win a championship, build a championship contender. Nobody's coming to Portland free agent wise, you know. So unless the team can really somehow, you know, maneuver certain players, certain places and get certain pieces You know, there's really no opportunity for him to really win a championship. Not saying that, you know, that has to be the only goal for, you know, Damian Lillard up until this point, because he's done practically everything else, but probably MVP and winning a championship. And so I'd say stick it out. But I think by February, he may be gone, Ben. He'll be gone by February.
1: Damian Lillard in a non-Trail Blazers jersey would be very, very weird. Very, very weird. But if he has to do right. it, he has to do it. I, I stand behind behind him because he... Whatever he wants. Win. I want to see him win the title. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I want. So hopefully he, he's able to find a place, whether it be Portland or another team that'll trade for him, where he can actually make a, a deep run into the playoffs.
0: Buddy, that's going to conclude this edition of Points in the Paint podcast, presented by Stadium. Stadium's numero uno, number one, number one. basketball NBA podcast. Make sure you follow both of us, Zach House and my main man Ben Wittenstein on our respective social handles. You follow Stadium for all your sports coverage and follow Shams for all your NBA news around the association. Shams bombs happen all the time. So you don't mm-hmm. want to miss it. You, may, you never know. Your new team may get a coach. You might want to be on that. And you want to make you some money too? Sharp Lessons. They come out every week. Great hey. bets. Michael Rizzo is still hotter than lava. My main man Ben Weinstein and also our boy Nate Jacobson. All three of them holding it down to give you give you opportunity to make you a couple of dollars for sharp lessons and trash and treasure with Eddie and Felder every Thursday. Great content, exclusive interviews, and you will hear from the Points in the Paint podcast next week.